So, it's been a while. It's been a while. And the last time you guys heard from me, I was saying that I was going to be doing this new series that was shorter so I could get a bunch of episodes out and it was going to be pop girls and film because I love pop girls and I love film. But I'm going to be real. My confidence in this podcast is non-existent at the moment. I personally think this show is horrible. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm struggling personally. It, I feel like I'm never producing what I want to produce. And then I feel rushed to actually get things out because it's been taking me forever to get episodes out. And it's, I've not been motivated because my confidence is so low. And I feel like every episode I've been posting has just been such shit. And I just am feeling like it's, oh, it's so hard to do this by myself because it's, it would just be so much better if I could like have back and forth with someone else, but I'm just doing this by myself. And it hasn't been fun for me because I've just been so down on myself. And that's why it's taking forever to post episodes. Like if I'm being completely honest, that is why it's taking forever because I feel like shit about this. And I don't, I want to do this. It's fun. But yeah, the last episode, I thought that series that never happened <laughs> was going to be great. Um, but the episode that I actually ended up coming out with, I thought was terrible and I didn't want to post it. But then I was like, you have to have some sort of consistency. It's already been so long since you posted. But then it's like, what's the point of consistency if your episode sounds like shit? Like it doesn't matter because either you're going to lose an audience because it's taking you forever. You're going to lose an audience because the episode is shit. So yeah, I know I'm always saying that I'm going to be doing a new series. I'm always coming up with these ideas and then they never come to fruition because I'm too hard on myself, I guess. And I want, I want to change that. And I didn't know what to do for this episode I originally was going to do an episode on Mariah Carey in the movie Wise Girls because I I recently discovered Tubi, which if you don't know what that is, it's a uh, streaming service that's ad based, so you um, it's free. But they have so many like obscurish movies on there, and I have been loving Tubi. I'm loving it. And I found Wise Girls, which I've been dying to see, but I could only find it on DVD and I didn't want to buy the DVD because I'm trying to just kind of switch to Blu-rays. And I finally saw Wise Girls. And let me just say, Mariah Carey is a top tier pop girl actress. I think she's one of the greats. I think when people think of Mariah Carey as an actress, they think of the movie Glitter, which was a disaster. But truthfully, she's so talented as not only a singer, obviously, everyone knows Mariah Carey's like one of the greatest singers of all time, if not the greatest singer of all time. But when it comes to pop girls in movies, Mariah Carey hasn't beat, and she hasn't done that many movies, but Wise Girls, she steals the show. Sorry, Mira Sorvino, but she stole your movie from you. Like her hilarious New York accent, her comedic timing, her attitude, like it was so good absolutely had a blast watching it. It was much darker than I thought it would be. There's a, a scene where Mira Sorvino is forced to cut up a dead body. Like I wasn't expecting Mariah Carey to be in a movie like that, but it was great. Great time. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd say I loved it, but I loved seeing Mariah Carey in it. And also her performance in Precious, like She's extremely talented, underrated actress, and she should be doing more movies. I'm actually offended that she isn't doing more movies. But you know what? That's just the lamb in me. I am a lamb. I love Mariah Carey. Um, but anyway, I want to do something fun for this episode. So I was like, well, it's almost October, and I typically like to watch a lot of horror in October, obviously. It's my favorite time of year. I love Halloween. And I do like to watch movies I've never seen as well as some old favorites. And I was kind of thinking like, oh, maybe I'll make a list of a watch list live. And then it hit me. 
I should just do Hooptober. I should make my Hooptober list live on the podcast and it would be really fun. And then I'll talk about it at the end of the month of whatever I watched. So if you don't know what Hooptober is, it is a yearly, I guess, event on Letterboxd, a website slash app where you can rate and review and talk about movies and whatnot. It is like it's almost, it's kind of social media-like, I got It's it's less social media than like actual social media, like Twitter. Like it's a notch below that, but I think it's a notch above IMDb, if that makes sense, if you're unfamiliar with that app. But it's an extremely well thought out event every year. This is, I think, the ninth year they've done it. And so many people participate in it every year. And I tried to participate uh two years I tried to do it, but then I just lost interest in the movies that I chose to do, to watch. So I never finished it, but I was like, I'm going to do it this year and it's going to be so fun. So let me tell you what the criteria and rules are this year. You must watch 31 movies in total. Six different countries must be represented in your choices Eight different decades need to be represented in your choices. There must be two insect-centered films, one horror film set in space or the future relative to when it was released, two animated films, one bloodthirsty old person slash people film, two 1970s regional U.S. films, the worst sequel from the 90s that you haven't seen and can access, one German silent film, five films from David Cronenberg, Ty West, Bill Rabane, Charles B. Pierce, William Greffe, and Joy and Huck Jr. I'm sorry if I mispronounced those last two names. I don't know who they are. I don't know if that's embarrassing on my part. Um, but anyway, you also need to have two Christopher Lee films, one film with a musician or band in it, and it must be a real musician or band, uh, one Stephen King adaption that is not the first go around, so I'm assuming either a second adaption or a sequel to an adaption, and you also need one Lon Chaney film, and like every year, you need one Toby Hooper film because there must always be a Toby Hooper film. That is why it's called Hooptober. So I thought I am going to do that this year and I'm going to make my list live on the air, the air, this isn't the fucking radio. I'm going to make it live on this podcast <laughs> and I'm going to watch them all. And then at the end of the month or in November, I'm going to make an episode where I just discuss everything I watched and it's going to be great fun. So I knew going into this that I would need to at least narrow down a bunch of choices that would fit into this criteria before I actually make the choices because I knew it would take forever for me to edit through me just scrolling through Letterboxd trying to find an insect movie or trying to find every adaption of the Stephen King movies that has more than one adaption or sci-fi horror films that are set in space or animated films that are horror films. I can't even think of any besides like Mad God and... uh is that what it's called? It just came out. It's a um, stop motion movie. And then um, like Frankenweenie, the Tim Burton movie, it would, it would just take me forever to do that. So I was like, I'm going to narrow down a list. And I started to do that earlier today. And while I'm looking at it, I was thinking, fuck, I don't want to watch any of this shit. <laughs> I really don't. And October and Halloween is my favorite time of the year. I love to watch horror movies in the month of October. I love to watch them every month, but especially in the month of October. And I'm also looking at it as in 31 movies I've never seen before. Like, that's not going to leave me any room to watch some of my old favorites. So then I was second guessing if I should even do Hooptober. And then I decided I'm not going to do Hooptober. Sorry to Cinemonster, sorry to the 800,000 people or whatever who participate. I know it's fun, but I can't. I can't. I can't put myself through it. Some of those movies don't look fun. To fit into that criteria, it was a lot of work and it didn't seem like a joyous time. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to make my own list. I'm going to make my own watch list. I'm going to make my own challenge, whatever. Like, 
It's not like I'm trying to replace Hooptober because obviously I'm probably going to be the only participant in this challenge slash watch list. Okay. I have like what? 40 listeners max. Like, let's be real here. No one's doing this damn challenge with me unless you want to. That would be great. If you want to do that, follow me on Letterboxd and I will, I don't know, look at your list and comment. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah, I decided to make my own list for the podcast. Maybe it'll be annual. I don't know how long I'll be doing this podcast because, you know, I feel so shit about myself and about the show. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I'll do this again next year. But the plan is to make a watch list, watch every movie on the list, and then in November, make an episode where I discuss the movies I watched. So the thing was, I did not want to do 31 movies I've never seen. That leaves me no room to watch like the Scream series or Nightmare on Elm Street or any of the Halloween movies. Like that's my bread and butter. That is like what gives me strength. That is my religious experience. Okay. That is my spiritual moment. I need to watch those movies during this month, during this holiday. So I cut it to 15 movies and I made the categories much more broad so that I could actually look through my list or look through Letterboxd and actually find stuff that I do genuinely want to watch, but also challenges me to watch things or I may not have thought about watching before. So I don't have a title for this challenge, watch list, whatever you want to call it, because I can't think of it right now. But Whatever the challenge is will be the title of this episode. So you'll know it then. And if you do want to make this, if you do want to make your own list on Letterboxd, title it the same thing. Let me know about it. And I would love to look at it. I will also put my list on my Letterboxd. It's already on there. Um, It'll be posted by the time this episode is up. So you can be sure that you have every single bit of criteria or whatever And you can make your list and we can all have a great time because I do love horror movies. I am excited to talk about it. I spent so many episodes already talking about horror movies. I was trying to steer away from that recently because I wanted variety. You know, it's called the film degree because I wanted to like get a wide range of film. But let's go back to horror. I want to watch it. Everyone else wants to watch it. Who doesn't like watching horror movies in October? So... My categories are 15 films, you need one folk horror film, you need one Stephen King adaption, you need one J-horror film, you need one horror comedy, one queer horror film, one creature feature, one found footage film, one film by Blumhouse, one remake, one sci-fi horror film, And then you get five other movies of your choice. Doesn't matter what they are. It can be whatever you want it to be. Just five that you've always wanted to watch or whatever. And I'm choosing to do all movies that I have never seen before. So I already did make my list and I'm going to go through my list, talk about the synopsis that's on Letterboxd. And then you'll hopefully hear from me next month where I actually discuss my thoughts on these movies. Maybe I'll do a ranking. That'll be fun. But you know how it is with me. I say, oh, I'm going to do this new series. And then I never do the fucking series. So don't quote me on this. Okay. Don't hold me to this. I Actually, you should hold me to this because I should do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stick to my word. Don't hold me to it if I don't stick to my word, but I'm going to stick to my word. Anyway, for my first pick, which was the full horror film, I recently found, and this would be such so much better as like a YouTube video, and I thought maybe I should make a YouTube. But let's be real, okay? I don't like video editing. I don't like editing audio, and I don't like downloading clips from the internet. It is just like, ugh, it put it's like so out of my way, like damn, I got to jump through hoops just to get a little clip so I can put in my video. Like, I don't even like doing it for the podcast, but I do it for funsies. But anyway, I have been looking around for horror movies. Oh, I was saying this would be better as a YouTube video because you could see the posters. That's what I was getting at. Because I came across this poster for Eyes of Fire from 1983, and I was immediately hooked. I actually found this poster, I think, or this movie 
through another person on Letterboxd. Let me let me get their name. Their name is on Letterboxd Cooper Delancey. I don't know if that is his actual name. He goes by like Movie Boy on TikTok. I highly recommend following him if you're into horror movies or just like obscure horror because he I think he's really cool, but he also watches like all kinds of insane shit and he's super into Halloween. So I found he has a YouTube channel as well. And he was talking about folk horror and there was like a list on Letterboxd that um, had a bunch of folk horror in it that he wanted to look through that was based on this documentary. Like the list had all the movies mentioned in the documentary or something or the book. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I don't remember. But I came across this when I looked at the list after I watched the video and I was like so drawn to it. I don't, I don't, it's, let me Google, let me Google. Well, let's Google. Eyes of Fire. Because I don't want people to be Googling this movie and being like, this poster's ass if it's different on Letterboxd. So let me see. Okay. When I Google Eyes of Fire, the poster that first shows up is not the poster on Letterboxd. You got to scroll down. So if you're interested in seeing this poster, what I'm talking about, Google image search eyes of fire. And it is the more pastel one. Once you scroll down a little bit It is the one with a girl boy. I don't know. It is, it's a person in like a black cloak and like these trees are like surrounding them and the branches turn into skeleton hands and it, the, um, the tagline says, sinister evil waits in the woods. One mysterious girl knows the secret. Okay, so it's a girl. I should have read that before I said, is this a girl or a boy? Think before you speak, Patrick. Think before you speak. But anyway, I was so drawn to this poster. Like, I want this poster on my wall. I love it. It's not that purple and orange bullshit poster that is the first few results. Anyway, back to this. It came out in 1983. It's directed by Avery Kronz, I think is how you pronounce it. C-R-O-U-N-S-E. It's a 90-minute movie, short and sweet. It's the perfect length. The tagline on Letterboxd is, The Secret is Sleeping in the Trees. And the little synopsis they give you is, A preacher is accused of adultery, and he and his followers are chased out of town and become stranded in an isolated forest, which is haunted by the spirits of long-dead Native Americans. I'm sold. It is currently on Shudder, so I have access to it. I cannot wait to watch this. I think it will be my first watch of the list. It has pretty good reviews. Out of five, it's got a 3.5, which is honestly pretty high for Letterboxd. And yeah, I'm into it. All the top reviews are like super positive. I can't wait to watch this. My next choice was a Stephen King adaption. And I have seen quite a bit of the Stephen King movies. When I was originally making my Hooptober list, I was struggling to find one that was an adaption that was not the first go around because one, I wasn't positive on what that meant. But I've seen so many of the adaptions and so many of like the second adaptions, if that makes sense. So I've seen Carrie and I've seen the 2003 Carrie, or I'm sorry, I've seen the original Brian De Palma Carrie from 1976. And I've also seen the 2013 Carrie starring Chloe Grace Moret. So that was out of the question. And then also I've seen the It miniseries, and then I've seen the It movie. So those were out of the question. Um, what else was there? I've seen the remake of Firestarter. So that was out of the question. And that kind of really led me to the 2002 Carrie, which was a TV movie, which I have never seen, but I wasn't that interested in seeing it. I'm going to be real. I feel like I've already seen it because I saw the 1976 version, which is an amazing movie. I love, 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 love the Brian De Palma Carrie. And I remember the Chloe Grace Moretz Carrie, not poorly. I'm going to be honest. I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but from what I remember, I didn't hate it. 
So like, did I want to see a third Carrie adaption? I've already read the book. It's my favorite Stephen King book. I don't know. Wasn't into it. And then there's been a lot of different miniseries that have been adapted more than once. Like there was, um, the stand was adapted twice into a mini series. There was a dead zone, like mini series or a TV series. I'm not sure. And then there was also a movie to dead zone. So like, I didn't obviously want to choose a TV series, a TV mini series. I didn't want to choose any of that. So it really only left me with the ones that I have not seen, the Carrie remake, or uh, a movie called Mercy, I think is what it was called. Yeah, Mercy, which was adapted already in the 1980s revival of Twilight Zone. They did an episode based on the story, mini, the short or novel or novella, whatever this was adapted from. They also did it there. So I was either choosing between Mercy and Carrie 2002. Who wanted to do that? Not me. I didn't want to watch those. So I decided I would like to watch a Stephen King adaption that I've never seen. So I chose the 1979 Salem's Lot directed by Toby Hooper, which has always been on my list, but for some reason, I've never gotten to it. Never gotten to it. And it seems pretty long. It's an it's 184 minutes. It's got a 3.3 rating out of 5 on Letterboxd and the little blur, the little synopsis it gives you is Ben Mears has returned to his hometown to write a book about the supposedly haunted Marston House. When people around the Marston house start dying mysteriously, Mears discovers that the owner of the mansion is actually a vampire who is turning them into an army of undead slaves. It is currently available on Apple as well as Shudder, so I will be watching it at no extra cost. I'm very excited to watch this one as well. A lot of my... um, I wouldn't say friends because I don't know many of these people who have reviewed it on Letterboxd, but all the people that I follow have pretty high ratings for it. So yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I'm way more excited for Salem's Lot than I am for Carrie 2002, okay? Because let me tell you, Carrie 2002 has a 2.6 rating and then Mercy has a 2.1. And then the only person who I follow who has seen it gave it a half star. No, absolutely not. I would like to see the uh, Stand miniseries. Um, it's on Paramount Plus, I believe. I think it's a Paramount Plus original, but it has like James Marsden. I think Alexander Skarsgård, Whoopi Goldberg, Amber Heard, uh, Odessa Young, I, th- I think is who's in it. And I like that cast. So I'm also interested in seeing that, but it's not a movie, so it's not on the list. So. My next category was one J horror film. If you don't know what that means, Japanese horror. I don't have that much knowledge in the J horror subgenre of horror. Um, I've seen uh, the original Ring. I've seen Audition, and was Cure from Japan? I feel like Cure was Japanese. If you've never seen Cure, it came out in 1997. Uh, I don't want to butcher this name. Kiyoshi Kurosawa, I think is the director, is how you pronounce their name. And that movie is, um, how do I put this? Pure fucking evil. Let me tell you, that movie, if you told me a movie was haunted, I think it's that movie. Because I watched that movie and I swear, I felt sick for like a week. Like anxious sick. Like it just fucked with me and it wasn't anything like too crazy just like the atmosphere was so bleak so sinister so plain evil i never need to see that movie again i think it's an incredible movie never want to see it ever again and you've been warned but anyway (laughs) i ended up choosing a 1998 movie which is an adaption of a manga called Tomi. I read Tomi by, what is his name? Let me, it should be in the crew right here. Junji Ito. He also wrote Uzumaki, which is 
one of like my favorite things ever. It hit like the artwork is, if you don't know who Junji Ito is, Google his artwork, Google his manga. He is, um, insane. One, he just seems like such a kind, sweet man, but he just comes up with the most weird, twisted horror stories ever with the most grotesque artwork. And not only is it grotesque though, it's like beautiful artwork. And I read Tomi and I thought it was really good. I didn't like how the story panned out. I thought it would be more of a revenge story rather than what it actually was. So I was a little disappointed in that sense, but I liked the premise. And I do think the premise is very different in the movie. Don't quote me on that. We'll see once I actually watch it. But this is not available streaming anywhere, but I did buy a DVD of it because I was like, oh, I'm going to watch it right after I read the manga like three, four years ago. And I've never gotten to it. It's on my shelf. And now's the time. So the synopsis is, well, the little tagline is, Tomi will not die. And the synopsis is, following some trauma in her past that has since been repressed, a young woman is trying to recover her memories with the help of a psychiatrist. During her hypnosis sessions, she repeats the name Tomi, but is unable to recall where she knows it from. Meanwhile, a police detective is investigating a string of brutal murders where he also runs across the name Tomi. How are the two connected? Okay, I can already tell you from that synopsis, it is not like the manga. Am I pronouncing manga correctly? I don't read mong manga. Manga. I don't read it. The only manga I've ever read was Junji Ito's Uzumaki and um, Tomi. And then what was the other thing? Actually, it should be in my books app because I bought them digitally. Oh, I read Shiver, Tomi, Uzumaki, Gio or Gaio. I don't know how to pronounce that either. Those are the four that I read. Those graphic novels or I don't know. I don't I don't know what you call it, but I read those four. It's the mangas, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm getting twisted on my words and I'm all lost. But it's a 95-minute movie. Should be short, should be sweet. Um, it does have a 2.9 rating, which honestly, I have rated movies that five out of five that have a much lower rating than that. And not that many members have uh, marked it as watched. Only 2.3 thousand people have marked it as watched with only 249 reviews. So I don't think it's as easy to come by, but I bought the DVD on Amazon. So I'll let you know how that is. I'm actually very excited to watch that because I do like the basic idea of Tomi. And I honestly, like, it's been so long that I don't fully remember it, so I won't be too attached to the story. I will view this movie as its own thing. Oh, but also, Uzumaki, which is my favorite of the four that I read, is being adapted into an anime, which they're using the same art style as Junji Ito's artwork, so I'm super excited for that. I think it got delayed, so whenever that comes out, I'm into it. I'm so excited. That also has a live action adaption, which I think is also very different from the original source material. Don't quote me on that. I'm sure it is though. And I did think about putting that on my list, but I already have Tomi, so I'm going to watch Tomi. My next uh, category, however, is a horror comedy film. And I do love a good horror comedy. And I had a few that I was interested in watching. Of course, now I can't think of them, but I ended up, <laughs> but I ended up uh, deciding on the 1996 Peter Jackson film, The Frighteners, which stars Michael J. Fox, and it is a 110-minute movie that has a 3.4 rating on Letterboxd, and a lot of the people I follow gave it very high ratings, so... A lot of people I also typically agree with also gave it high rating, so I am excited for it. The synopsis is, once an architect, Frank Bannister now passes himself off as an exorcist of evil spirits. 
To bolster his facade, he claims his special gift is the result of a car accident that killed his wife. But what he does not count on is more people dying in the same small town where he lives. As he tries to piece together the supernatural mystery of these killings, he falls in love with the wife of one of the victims and deals with a crazy FBI agent. I know absolutely nothing about this movie besides that it was always in, I would always pass it in the video rental stores that I would go to. I used to religiously go to this one called Jumbo Video, which was by my house. I'm pretty sure it was like a front for drugs, but I don't know. If it's not a front for drugs, then I single-handedly kept them in business for as long as they were because I was there every week getting tons of movies. I loved going through video rental stores. Family video, I kept the one near my house open much longer than they should have been open as well. But anyway, I I have seen Peter Jackson movies before. Actually, I've seen a very large portion. I've seen obviously The Lord of the Rings. I saw one of the Hobbit movies. I think it was the second one. King Kong, The Lovely Bones, and the one and only Brain Dead, which I think is also called Dead Alive. I loved Brain Dead, so I think I'm going to really like The Frighteners. There's also a Peter Jackson movie that I cannot get my hands on. If there's a listener out there that knows where I can get my hands on Heavenly Creatures from 1994 that stars Melanie, Melanie Linsky and Kate Winslet, let me know. Because honestly, I don't want to buy the DVD, but if I have to, I will. And I don't even know if it's available on DVD on Amazon or anything. But that is a movie I've been dying to watch. Like, you don't understand. So if anyone knows where that is, let me know. Send me that link. Send me anything. Like, I need to see that movie. Moving on to my next category, it is a queer horror film. Now, this one I thought was a little difficult because I've never seen this movie, so I don't know if it's considered a queer horror film. I looked up lists of movies on Letterboxd that people labeled as queer horror films, but people have different definitions of queer horror, okay? So if this does not fit the criteria of a queer horror film, well, I'm sorry, but I do actually really want to watch this movie. I chose to go with Raw from 2016, directed by Julia DeCorno. And you may be thinking, where have I heard Julia DeCorno before? Um, she won a ton of film degree awards this year for Teton. If you remember, if you listen to the film degree awards, she swept. Okay. I love Teton and I think she's very, very interesting. She has such, um, a distinct point of view. And I think based on Teton, Raw is going to be the sleigh of the century. Okay. I have been dying to watch this movie for so long, but I just have never gotten to it. And I'm so happy to finally be getting to it. It is on Netflix, so it should be an easy watch for me. Also, I forgot to mention The Frighteners is um, on Peacock. So another service that it may be no, at no extra cost for you if you're interested in watching that. But Raw always caught my eye because it has this beautiful poster, this like pinkish poster of this girl with a bloody nose. And I know it's like a cannibal movie or she eats raw meat or something. I'm assuming she eats people because it's, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just a horror movie because she eats raw meat. I don't know what this girl's up to. But the tagline on Letterboxd is, what are you hungry for? And the synopsis is, in Justine's family, everyone is a vet and a vegetarian. At 16, she's, gif she's a gifted teen ready to take on her first year in vet school where her older sister also studies. There, she gets no time to settle. Hazing starts right away. Justine is forced to eat raw meat for the first time in her life. Unexpected consequences emerge as her true self begins to form. Now, I have heard nothing but fantastic things about this movie. I cannot wait. I do like a good French film because... Wait, is this French? It is French. French people, they're fucked up. 
So I'm 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 very excited for Raw. And I just realized that I've been recording this long. So let's get moving. My next category is a creature feature, which I decided on the movie Ticks, which came out in 1993, directed by Tony Randall. It's an 85-minute film. And the letterbox poster caught my eye. It looks like like it looks very goosebumpsy to me. Like it <laughs> It just looks very 90, early 90s and like one of those cheap pulpy book covers and I am into it. The tagline is something hungry is about to hatch and the mini synopsis it gives you is teens camping in a Northern California retreat are terrorized by mutant insects created by evil polluting pot farmers. (laughs) It's on Tubi so no extra cost to me. I am... I don't know what I'm about to get myself into watching this, honestly. It has Seth Green in it, which I really like him. It also has that guy from, um, what's his name? Uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. Is that how you pronounce it? Ribeiro? The guy from Fresh Prince. I don't know. I'm going to be real. Don't come for me for saying this and for announcing my truth, but I've never watched Fresh Prince Bel-Air. But he's in it. Anyway. (laughs) My next choice was a found footage film, and I chose Wreck, um, which came out in 2007, directed by... Shit. (laughs) Directed by Wam Belagero is how I think it's pronounced. I apologize to Mr. Belagero if that is not correct. And also directed by Paco Plaza. And... I saw the American remake uh, called Quarantine. Or no, I didn't see Quarantine. I saw Quarantine 2. So I didn't even see the, the original remake for this. But the synopsis on Letterboxd is, A television reporter and cameraman follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. And I believe this is a Spanish language film and it is also on Tubi, so no extra cost for me. It has a rating of 3.7 and quite a bit of my, the people I follow have seen it. Quite a bit of people have seen it in general because um, 176,000 members have logged it as watched. So yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm typically not into a found footage type of deal, if I'm being real. And I hate that that just rhymed, but um, I'm excited to see Racket has always been on my list. I think I watched a kill count of it on the Dead Meat YouTube channel. If you don't follow them, you should also follow them. They have a much better podcast than I do. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, moving on to my next category. It is a film by Blumhouse. And there is quite a bit of Blumhouse films. They are very prolific. But I am, if I'm honest, I've seen quite a bit of them. So I didn't have that much to choose from. And what I did have to choose from, mm, it's all right. You know, it's not going to be at the top of my list, but Blumhouse does have some hits. They have Freaky. They have the Halloween 2018 film. They have Happy Death Day, The Invisible Man, Get Out, Us. They even did Black Klansmen, I believe, which isn't even a horror film. (laughs) Insidious, Sinister, Paranormal Activity. Like, they've got some classics on their hands, but they also have, you know, their Truth or Dares, their uh, Purges, their Glass. (laughs) I don't like Glass. I liked um, Split. I did not like Glass. Their Ouija's, their Firestarter, their They Them movie. They they have some not very good movies. They also did the Tooth Fairy movie with The Rock, if you've ever seen that. I did not know they did that, but they're listed as that on, on Letterboxd, so you know, good for them. But anyway, I chose Craft The Craft Legacy, which came out in 2020, directed by Zoe Lister Jones. It is a sequel-ish, I believe, to the 1996 movie, The Craft. And I believe Feruza Bulk is in this movie as well, or Cameo. So that's how it ties in or something. I know it ties in to the first one. 
in some way, shape, or form. And I do really like the first one. It doesn't have a very high rating on Letterboxd. It has a 2.3. I've watched worse, but a lot of the people who I follow and trust deeply with my life gave it very low rating. So I'm not confident with the craft, but it is something I've wanted to watch. And the synopsis is, an eclectic foursome of aspiring teenage witches get more than they bargained for as they lean into their newfound powers. I am willing to give it a chance. And I am, I'm interested in how they make the craft in the 2020s. So more power to them. So my next category that I have to fill is a remake. And there's a lot of horror remakes out there. So there was a lot to choose from. But I ultimately went with the 1988 film The Blob, directed by Chuck Russell. And I did watch the original for this. And that is why I decided to watch it. I liked the original. Uh, It came out in 1958. I'm interested in this adaption of it. It's quite highly rated at a 3.6. It's 95 minutes. It has the tagline of scream now while there's still room to breathe. Terror has no shape. And the synopsis it gives you on Letterboxd is remake of the 1958 horror film about a deadly blob, which is the spawn of a secret government germ warfare project, which consumes everything in its path. Teenagers try in vain to warn the townsfolk who refuse to take them seriously while the government agents try to cover up the evidence and confine the creature. I love the poster for this. I like the premise of it. I believe it has some really gnarly gore in this. I'm not positive by that. I'll let you know, but I'm very excited for this. It's something that I've always had on my list. And for my final like actual category, which was a science fiction horror film, I went with the 1998 Robert Rodriguez directed The Faculty. Now, this has always been on my list, and I don't know why I've never seen it, because one, I love 90s horror. I love post-scream horror, and I love, 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 love Kevin Williamson, who also wrote Scream. He wrote this, as well as the cast of this movie is perfect. It's got Elijah Wood, Josh Harnett, Clea Duvall, Jordana Brewster. Usher is in it, like Femke Jansen, Jansen, I think is how you pronounce it. Piper Laurie is in this movie. Like, I'm also seeing Selma Hayek is in it. I don't know how much of it she's in it, but I'm very, very, very excited to watch this. It has a 3.3 rating on Letterboxd, and the synopsis it gives you is... When some very creepy things start happening around school, the kids in Harrington High make a chilling discovery that confirms their worst suspicions. Their teachers really are from another planet. And it has the tagline of, take me to your teacher. It doesn't get better than that, folks. It doesn't get better than that. I cannot wait to watch it. It is on HBO Max. I have not been saying what the others were on, so let me go back. The... Blob, I will have to rent on Apple. They don't have it on any of my streaming services. And The Craft Legacy, I will also have to rent. So that's a little bit unfortunate for me, but I'm excited to watch The Faculty. I thought they had it on... Oh, I'm sorry. The Faculty is on HBO Max. My last five films of my list were all of my choice, anything I wanted to watch. So I chose movies that I've always wanted to see, but just never got around to. So the first of my five was Vampires, directed by John Carpenter in 1998, another late 90s film. Um, I feel like I don't even have to say the synopsis of this movie because it is titled Vampires. So it's about vampires, but here's the synopsis anyway. (laughs) The church enlists a team of vampire hunters to hunt down and destroy a group of vampires searching for an ancient relic that will allow them to exist in sunlight. I've heard mixed things about this, but I do like, I do love, let's say love, I do love a John Carpenter film and it's on Netflix, so why not finally take the leap and watch this movie? 2.9 on Letterboxd, pretty mixed. The people I follow, I'll kind of give it around a three to a three and a half rating. So I'm willing to give this a chance. I think it will be good. I like the little banner photo they have, which is like a still from the movie. I think it looks interesting. So 
I'm excited for that. Now, my next movie I chose, I'm even more excited for, but it is also a vampire movie called Near Dark, directed by Catherine Bigelow in 1987. Now, you can't find this anywhere on streaming, and I don't even know if you can find a DVD of it, but I believe, I believe, I saw on Twitter that this is going to be included in the Criterion Halloween collection this year on the Criterion channel. I don't know when that will be released, and I don't even know if that was accurate, but if it is on there, I'm going to run to this movie. I have always wanted to watch this, and I just could never find it available to me. I love the poster that they have on Letterboxd. I don't know if it's the main poster for everything, but the synopsis is, a Midwestern farm boy reluctantly becomes a member of the undead when a girl he meets turns out to be part of a band of southern vampires who roam the highways in stolen cars. It has a 3.6 rating, and the people I follow typically seem to like it. I don't know. I have nothing else to say. I'm just very excited to watch this, and I We'll have to double check if it'll be on the Criterion channel. If it does come on the Criterion channel, I'm going to shit myself the moment I see it. Anyway, my next film is going to take a very big leap in the opposite direction. And it is Freaks, directed by Todd Browning, which came out in 1932. It is only 62 minutes long. I believe a lot of it was cut. I don't know why. I feel like it was because it was disturbing or something at the time. Don't quote me on that. I feel like I just heard that one time. And I don't think the lost footage has ever been seen. I think it was destroyed. Hopefully one day we find it. I might be making this whole thing up. But I feel like that's true. Anyway, this was the inspiration for American Horror Story Freak Show. And I really liked that season. I know a lot of people didn't. I thought it was, um, the drama was just too good that season. I really liked it. I liked the characters. I liked the setting. It had a gorgeous, gorgeous art direction. The set, like, don't even get me started. The set was so good. The costumes were so good. The acting was so good. Somehow Sarah Paulson was able to pull off having two heads and it was believable, even though the effects weren't like the most amazing thing I've ever seen, but it worked. And Jessica Lang is incredible. Evan Peters, incredible. Angela Bassett, incredible. Kathy Bates, incredible. Emma Roberts, incredible. Like it's a good season and I will stand by that, but it always made me interested in seeing this. And the synopsis is, a circus's beautiful trapeze artist agrees to marry the leader of sideshow performers, but his deformed friends discover she is only marrying him for his inheritance. It has a 3.9 rating. Almost everyone I follow gave it extremely high ratings, either like, of, it looks like around 4 to a 5 star rating. And yeah, I'm really excited for this. I, it's not on any streaming services that I have at the moment, so I will be renting this one unless it becomes available. Yeah, I have nothing else to say about that. I need to get through this episode. I thought this episode would be 20 minutes. Damn, I can talk. <laughs> My next choice was a Thai West film called The Innkeepers from 2011. I'm very much into Thai West right now. I've only seen House of the Devil X and Pearl. I recently just saw Pearl in theaters. I thought it was fantastic. It is one of my favorite movies of the year. Mia Goth, you are God. I love you. Your performance was genuinely the greatest of the year so far. She's not going to be nominated for an Oscar, and that's a shame. That's a true shame because she has a nine-minute monologue in Pearl, and I've never seen anything like it. But anyway, the synopsis is, during the final days at the Yankee Peddler Inn, two employees determined to reveal the hotel's haunted past begin to experience disturbing events as old guests check in for a stay. It has a three-star rating, or average rating, and it stars Sarah Paxton, who I like. I like Sarah Paxton. Um, and I like Ty West, so I really don't know what to expect from this. So it's on Peacock and Tubi, so no extra cost to me. And yeah. And my final film, my 15th film that I am determined to watch is the original Stepfather from 1987, directed by Joseph Rubin. 
It's 89 minutes long and is currently on Shutter, Peacock, and Tubi. Thank you to those services. Um, the synopsis is a seemingly mild-mannered man who has just murdered his entire family quickly adopts a new identity and leaves town. After building a new relationship with a widow and her teenage daughter, he struggles to hide his true identity and maintain a grip on reality. It stars Terry O'Quinn, who was that dude from Lost. What was his name on Lost? John Locke. I never finished Lost. But I never liked him on the show. Not that he's a bad actor. I just hated that character. But anyway, I have always wanted to see this. It also has Shelley Hack in it, who is one of the original Charlie's Angels. And if you know anything about me, you know I love Charlie's Angels. I believe she came in in season four. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it was season four. And she was only a one season wonder because she was replaced by, I almost said Tanya Harding. She was replaced by Tanya Roberts. <laughs> Tanya Roberts. So yeah, that is my watch list for this October of the new of the of the films I have not seen. I will obviously be watching lots and lots of movies that I have already seen. Some of my favorites. I do want to do a scream watch like i want to watch every single movie in order for the first time and first time is in including number five of course i've watched one two three and four in order before i'm not crazy but that's all i have for you and i say that as if i didn't just record for an hour i really thought i was going to record for 20 minutes i was like i don't have enough content and i probably don't i probably just rambled this entire time and no one's going to find this interesting at all huh Anyway, <laughs> if you would like to participate in this challenge, this watch list, this whatever you want to call it, um, definitely find me on Letterboxd. Let me know if you did make one of these and I will definitely follow or look at the list and comment and, I don't know, interact. Um, I think this can be really fun. It's only 15 movies. And if you want to hear the list one more time, it's a full core Stephen King adaption, J-horror, horror comedy, a queer horror, creature feature, found footage, a film by Blumhouse, a remake, a science fiction horror, and five films of your choice. So yeah, I hope this will be fun. I'm ready to kick off the horror season. I'm very excited to do all of the Halloween activities that I do. I can't wait to go to an apple orchard. I can't wait to go to a haunted house. I can't wait to watch horror movies in the middle of the night at like three in the morning because it's my favorite time to watch a movie. I'm very excited. So if you do this challenge, watch list, whatever you want to call it, let me know. I'd love to see it. I'd love to talk about it. And yeah, you'll hear from me hopefully in between, hopefully in between this episode and the one where I actually give my thoughts on the movies, but you will definitely hear my thoughts on these movies. I'm going to do a ranking. It'll be all fun. So, so yeah, happy Halloween. <laughs>